This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and supporting listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter today. Ha-cha! Hello, this is Brian Azzarello, writer of Moonshine, and you're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Podcast with Joe and Matt. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat in Omaha, deep below the metro area, it's our pleasure to welcome you to episode seven of the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Book Podcast. I feel like you're plugging some applause you there. Really, right? You really came out swinging. I know, right? My name is Matt Baum. You can follow me at Matt Baumstein on the Twitter, where I've been avoiding the fate of the Furious spoilers for more than a damn week now. I had to get Mrs. Baum caught up. She has not seen six or seven. What? I know. Oh, my God. I know. She's not even an American <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. She's not part of the fam now. Uh, and I'm Joe Patrick. You can find me at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter, where I've been defending Joni's honor in the face of the total shitbag chachis, disparaging remarks. You can follow this show at Two-Headed Nerd for all the comic book BS that, uh... I do post that. Should be posting. I do post that. I do post In this week's episode, Joe and I scream in space as loud as we can while reading Aliens Dead Orbit and swing through Las Vegas Ben Riley style. After that, Joe and I find ourselves in a beat-the-clock match as we wrestle with 10 of this week's and last week's comics during a ludicrous speed round. Then, the comic pushers make their triumphant return, and Joe Patrick is rapping, because that shit falls under the protection of parody, which is protected by the First Amendment, so screw you, iTunes! We're not lawyers. We don't know if any of that's true, but we're going with it. Yeah, we just play them on our podcast. And finally, it's time to make another trip to the past in the Wizard Wayback Machine, where we take a look at some of the summer comic events that rocked us way back in the day. So, let's all put on our Hannibal Lecter hockey mask and thank Jonathan Demme for his entire body of work. I'm going to miss that guy. It's sad. And then, we need to talk about this week's Nerd News. DC will be launching several new titles as part of the summer event Dark Knight Colon Metal. Under the banner name of Dark Matter. <laughs> DC co-publisher Dan DiDio revealed the news during the publisher's presentation at Diamond Comics Distributors Retail Summit at C2E2 last week. Five titles will spin out of Dark Knight Metal to complete the Dark Matter banner. Jesus, that's just an awkward sentence. Uh, right. As revealed in an Entertainment Weekly article, the books spinning out of the event are Sideways by writers Dan DiDio and Justin Jordan and artist Kenneth Roquefort coming out in September following a teleporting teenager changed by the events of Dark Knight's colon metal. The Silencer by writer Dan Abnett and artist John Romita Jr. also in September will focus on Honor Guest, the former world's deadliest assassin. That is the worst name ever. <laughs> His no, name is Honor Guest? It's a lady. Her name is Honor Guest? That's Honor, even worse. <laughs> her middle name is Ed. Honor Ed Guest. Oh, my God. <laughs> She's the former world's deadliest assassin now trying for a quiet life in the suburbs until, surprise, her former life comes back to haunt her. I've never read anything like that. And she must become the silencer to protect her family. Oh, ho. Immortal Men by writer James Tinney in the fourth and Jim Lee. Can we just call him the four, please? James Tinney in the four and artist Jim Lee. This one's in October. A story about five immortal siblings who operate from the shadows, recruiting the elite against the foes who seek to bring about Armageddon. Isn't there a book like this going on in Image right now? The Uh, Old Guard? The Old Guard, yes. Isn't this like the same damn story? I, I don't... 
No, this is more like those guys are like soldiers. Yeah, this is, these are not like yeah, they're just family members. Yeah, know. whatever. Like Illuminati types. I don't know. I don't know anything about any of this stuff. Damage by Robert Robert by Robert 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 Venditti <laughs> by writer Robert Venditti and artist Tony Daniel also launching in October, in which Army recruit Ethan Avery is granted the power quote. To unleash an unstoppable monster for one hour at a time. I haven't seen Tony Daniel for quite a while. Uh, in the promo art, it's just like another like big hulking monster character. The tenth. Tony Daniel cannot get away from the goddamn tenth. A return to the tenth. Yeah. And finally, new challengers by writer Scott Snyder and artist Andy Kubert, launching in December. This is a reboot of the Challengers of the Unknown but with a new cast and a new mission. Which means we don't know what it is yet or who they are. Right. But I will say DC has missed the boat on this for way too long. The Fantastic Four is nowhere to be seen at Marvel. Oh, yeah. Hit me with a Challenger series now, and you are scratching that itch, man. Yeah, I am sure. down. The titles under the Dark Matter banner will be released under yet another banner called what? DC Masterclass. What is going on? Uh, it's a sort of brand that features high-caliber creators with a strong focus on artists. According to the panelists at the summit, the new titles were developed as true collaborations between members of the creative teams, creative partnerships like those found in many of our favorite classic comics. You mean unlike other creative teams that hate each other? Yeah, or what? <laughs> no, or as opposed to like Marvel saying, we want to relaunch Moon Knight. Hey, do you want to draw it? Like these were developed as oh, a, oh, these were by, developed the creators, by the creators from the ground up. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, Jim Lee said that the intent behind the line was to launch new characters with veteran creators, especially focusing on high-level art teams, and that later in the year, the master class would expand to more than 20 artists. So it's sort of like a fraternity, a kind secret of. society. A They're master like the skulls. The comic book master race. <laughs> comic book ma DC's comic book master race. No, no. <laughs> Love it. So... Matt, we've got a huge push here for brand new, diverse characters with a strong focus on artistic talent. <laughs> it really sounds like DC is taking that ball that Marvel dropped and is running down the field with it. Yeah, it sort of does. Nice football reference, by the way. Thank you. I Although know Although it would have been fumbled, not dropped. But regardless. Drop the ball is the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, know. fumbling is, you know. Regardless. I this is you like just can't let me have it. Brands within brands and yeah, seriously, <laughs> it's like there's the prelude to the event called Dark Nights, and then our Dark Days, and then the event itself called Dark Nights Metal and Dark and Matter, Dark and Matter spinoff. Yeah, and it's like, like what is happening? So it's like uh, so. Here's what I'm equating it to. I'm equating it to Marvel launching a new line of books, spinning out of an event. All of them drawn by their young guns. You remember the yeah, young yeah, guns? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is DC's young guns. So, but all of this is going to take place in the regular DCU. Yeah, they're brand new characters. They're, okay. But they're just brand new. But like, like I gotta give DC some kudos. I'm not sure if the books are gonna be any good, and I don't know. Like all of this, like dark matter, dark this, dark that. That's stupid. I don't know if they mean like dark and gritty dark, or if right. it's just like a cool sounding. You know, I don't know. I mean, all these sound if you could easily take DC out of this story and say these are new image projects. Sure. And they except sound for like the challenges, except of for the, the challenges, the unknown. Right. Absolutely. And they sound like new, cool image projects. I mean, you know, like by cool creators. And if they can do that and seamlessly weave it into their universe. Yeah. That's a great way I mean, to do it. These major publishers launching brand new characters and giving them a huge push. It's what people are always clamoring for. Yeah, I mean, look at the names. Andy Kubert, Tony Daniel, Jim Lee, John Romita Jr., 
I, these are all really Kenneth Roquefort. Even these are all big art names paired up yeah. with, well, maybe not Dan DiDio, but talented and upcoming and established writers. It's all of these names are names that you can put on a comic and people will buy it just for either one of those names. Sure. I mean, it's kind of a bummer. And that it's a it, good idea. It's kind of a bummer that right now it's all just a bunch of dudes. Yeah. Uh, like DC doesn't have any talented female writers, but well, sounds that they don't. They're busy I, doing other things. I am hopeful with Jim Lee's statement that like they're expanding the line, sure, and their intent is to kick us kick it off with like their biggest names. Yeah, no, I think, this, and I think that's kind of smart. This sounds pretty cool, and hopefully they can pull it off to sales results. That's what it comes down to. Fingers crossed. In other news, DC Digital slash Young Justice slash Titans. <laughs> Warner Brothers is launching a DC-branded direct-to-consumer digital service in 2018 with the new live-action Titan series and the previously announced rejuvenated Young Justice animated series as its first show. I responded to this on Twitter by saying, oh, good, I was just about to run out of apps to sign into. <laughs> yes, and I think we'll talk about that a little Titans bit. Titans will feature Dick Grayson, no code name given, Starfire, Raven, and others to be named. Please, no new characters. Please, no new characters. The live-action show There are will be, lots of titans. I know. The live-action show will be written and executive produced by Akiva Goldsman, Yay. Jeff Johns, and Greg Berlanti, with Sarah Schechner, also executive producing. According to the press release, Titans follows a group of young, soon-to-be superheroes. So they're very young at this point. Yeah. Recruited from every corner of the DC Universe. In this action-packed series, Dick Grayson emerges from the shadows to become the leader of a fearless band of new heroes, including Starfire, Raven, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So, young titans. Probably yeah. modern day, probably a relaunch, but whatever, that's fine. Back in February 2016, TNT had announced that it passed on a live-action titan series. We talked Warner about Bros. them. We talked yes. about it getting optioned. With Johns responding at the time saying the project was still very much alive. Goldsman was the primary writer of TNT's Titans, so this new Titan seems to be a continuation of that project. The inclusion of DCCW mega producer Greg Berlanti implies that this new live-action Titans would be in continuity with those shows despite being on a different network. They've already proved that work with Supergirl, but then Supergirl did hop over CW. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. The revived Young Justice will jump from the Warner Brothers' own cartoon network to appear on this DC digital service under the new name of Young Justice Outsiders for its third season. Second season was Young Justice Invasion. Right. This is how they do it. In Outsiders, the teenage superheroes of DCU come of age in an animated world of superpowers, supervillains, and super secrets in the highly anticipated new series. Okay, whatever. We get it. The new as-of-yet-unnamed DC digital service is described as an immersive experience with fan interaction and will encompass comics as well as TV series. I don't know what that means. This is where they caught my attention. Yeah. Because at first I was like, oh, sounds like something else to try to find on the internet. Totally. I'm not paying for another app. Yeah. I, I mean, right now, no, I'm not going to. For two but shows, no. you got to admit, instead of doing this direct-to-digital movies that they've been doing or direct-to-DVD movies, this would be a great place to launch all that stuff. I mean, right. really, this is the perfect way sure. to do and it. There's, yeah, there's plenty of DC content that they could put on the channel. Right. But like two new shows is not enough to carry no. a standalone streaming service. But if it is an experiment. If it's DC, if it's DC's say this, version of Marvel Unlimited. Well, that too. Yeah, okay, I didn't even think of that. Yes. But if this is their experiment into controlling all their media and saying, okay, look, maybe in the future, The Flash and... 
legends of the DC universe, maybe all of that comes into one place that they control and they go, boom, here's your DC entertainment. It's ours. We do whatever we want with it. We don't have to worry about TV ratings. We don't have to worry about this or that. You pay directly and it's your DC Netflix, basically. And they're just cranking out original content for it. That could be the model of the future for these guys. As opposed to a little bit of this over here, a little bit of this over there, some of this here, you know. I, maybe, maybe. That just, I mean, it just seems like a lot of fingers in the pie, if you know yeah. what I mean. For me, the main uh, hook is the idea that comics are part of this Yeah, this is immersive their shot. experience. This is their shot to do a DC Unlimited. And if they are doing DC Un- Unlimited, like, they've got me. It's all I've wanted. Well, let's talk about price. What are you willing to pay for this right now with these two shows? And let's say yes, they are doing DC Unlimited. Uh, so and we'll say Marvel Unlimited. I'll take it further and say it's all the stuff that you want. It's 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 sure exactly what Joe Patrick's. Well, yeah, obviously, obviously, it would depend on the content of the of the comic library. Let's say it's all there. Everything Joe wants. How much is he paying for it? Uh, I'm saying that if Marvel Unlimited is ten dollars a month Mm -hmm. with a discount, if you subscribe year to year right i would pay which comes down to like seven bucks a month something it's like it's like it's half price i think oh really for a full year five bucks a month yeah it's 60 bucks damn uh i would pay if it were 14.99 a month i'd buy it i would do it yeah because i mean it does include tv right uh and then if it were like here it's a year for a hundred instead of a hundred or whatever that i mean that's that's more expensive than hbo you know, now, but I get you are incorporating all the comic books and stuff like that. Yeah, but I mean, HBO that literally is what, like 12 bucks a month? Something like that. I mean, HBO Go is like $5 a month. It, it would really depend. Like, I get hosting I'm, all those I'm comics. Compa- is I'm be comparing tough. it to the comics version. Like, right now, yes, the video streaming, like Netflix is. My Netflix isn't ten bucks a month. It's like seven ninety nine or eight ninety nine. Yeah, that's gonna be their. But that's gonna be where their big money comes from. Is that? I mean, yeah. sure, nerds like you and me would love to go back and look at that stuff. But well, maybe the, the cro- big money is gonna be in their video. Maybe the the cross pollination of the two audiences, the people that are hungry for the com- digital comics content and the people that are hungry for the DC movie content uh, and TV content, are gonna enable them to keep that price a little bit more reasonable because yeah, I mean, it's such a large... If it's 10 to 12 bucks a month, I would and, do it. I, and every time one of these new direct-to-digital DC movies comes out, I know what's on my app, I'm more likely to watch them. Like, I, I, pay, I pay... Right now, I pay almost no attention. Right. <laughs> so. <laughs> so I pay for Amazon Prime, whatever that costs for a year. Yeah, but you're getting... That's different because you're getting, like, shipping discounts and stuff. Yeah, but I order off of Amazon so infrequently oh well then you're a sucker because i order yeah. off amazon like three times to- i just ordered something earlier sure i mean three I'm times not, a week i'm not saying least. i don't get my money's worth out of it but it's not like i'm constantly watching things on amazon prime i've been watching a lot of amazon prime and there's a lot of really good shows on there right but really it's, it's worth it to me even if i if i'm not constantly using it and something amazon like, music is bundled into that as well i don't even know what that is it's just like iTunes music, sure, or Spotify. But if there was a if there was a DC Comics version of Marvel Unlimited that bundled in with like brand new exclusive shows that I'm actually interested in, that would be a no brainer for me. I would purchase yeah. it on the spot. No, I think it sounds kick ass. Man, I hope they don't fuck it up. <laughs> Marvel Comics seems to be taking a cue from DC's recent rebirth success. Everybody's just copying each other. Well, that's how it's always been. And they are gearing up for a rebirth of their own. After paying homage to their legacy heroes this summer with the upcoming Generations series, 
Marvel Comics is set to launch a new initiative called Legacy that puts the spotlight on their most popular and iconic characters in all new storylines with many of their long-running titles returning to their original numbering. I'm just, like, tickled pink. <laughs> Announced at Chicago's C2E2 2017 last weekend, Legacy's, quote, bold new direction. Or bold old direction. Right. <laughs> but b- old direction. I like bold old. Bold old. <laughs> we'll begin with a 50-page Marvel Legacy number one one-shot by Jason Aaron and Asad Ribic that will feature the earth-shattering return of a beloved Marvel mainstay. <coughs> Fantastic Four. Yeah, okay, nerd bet right now. It's, FF. It's not FF. It's the FF, They're you talking bet. about Wolverine. No way. I'm, I'm, I'll bet you. You want to put your money where your mouth is? Nerd bet. Nerd bet. It's the FF. Nerd bet. I say it's Wolverine. You are wrong. Nerd bet on. I guarantee there we go. you, you are wrong. All right, fine. Put it in the notes. Marvel Chief Creative Officer Joe Quesada said, quote, The Marvel Legacy Initiative is a celebration of everything that makes Marvel the best in fiction, and it's a signifier of a new era. A n- new Don't era. you just love it when people decide that they're the best yeah, right, yeah, right. and tell you? We're starting a new era for yeah. Marvel Comics. <laughs> it's a loving look at the heart of Marvel as we embrace our roots and move enthusiastically forward with all the Marvel characters you know and love, starring in the biggest, boldest, best Marvel stories. End quote. Listen to the way they're wording it. The roots of Marvel Comics, the heart of Marvel Comics. Yeah. It's the Fantastic Four. Matthew, why are you making this bet? Uh, While Casada emphasized the past of the Marvel Universe, the publisher isn't forgetting their new characters, identifying Squirrel Girl, Ms. Marvel, America Chavez, Ironheart. Uh, they dropped uh, Odinson, Thor Odinson's name. Oh, yeah. As some of the subjects of Legacy's Focus and promising epic storylines hearkening back to the glory days of Marvel. The publisher said that Legacy will encompass the entire Marvel universe and that its renumbered titles will come with a renewed sense of hope, wonder, enjoyment, and fun. And more headaches for those who have to file them in back issues. Oh, let me tell you. (laughs) Marvel's Legacy initiative expands beyond just the stories and the issue numbers, though. They plan to revive elements from their past, such as the old Marvel value stamps. What? Are you kidding me? Uh, yes, there are so many horror stories about people cutting the Marvel oh va- my God. the Marvel value stamp out of Hulk 181. Oh yeah, remember we had to check every issue of these yep. old comics. They come in, thumb through, and be like, "All right, stamps there. Next, yep. all right, stamps there." The fan magazine Foom, which stands for Friends of Old Marvel, if you didn't know that. And corner box art on the covers, which I love. Is the Merry Marvel Marching Society returning to? I wish. (laughs) Bring back the Marvel No Prize, please. Uh, You can expect information on these titles and their creative teams in the next couple months, obviously. Now, this is a lot of information here, Matt. Where is your head at with Marvel Legacy right now? I mean, I don't know. Every time they send the cheerleaders out to cheer about how great everything they're going to do is, it's just like it... It's like when Donald Trump talks anymore. We can just ignore it. We don't have to be scared because we know he's just completely full of shit. You know, this is just noise, and it's going to come down to execution again. They're obviously going to bring back, you know, Thor probably as the origin as Thor again, and Wolverine, and maybe the Fantastic Four. I just find it hard to believe because they still haven't settled this crap with Fantastic Four and Fox. And I, I I see them just holding them in checkmate until Fox uh, but if you believe, rolls over. If you believe the rumors, though, it, it was never about wanting to get the rights back necessarily. It wasn't that they couldn't. It's that the head cheese was pissed. Right. And he was throwing a tantrum and he said, no more X-Men and no more Fantastic Four. Yeah. 
And so FF got canceled, the Inhumans right. uh, got the huge push. They decided the X-Men would suck. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe they're over it now. Ike Perlmutter's got a new job as one of Trump's biggest advisors. I saw that. So maybe Is he out? Is he out? No, he's more. not out. Uh, of course not. Matt, separating business from politics? Are you crazy? <laughs> this is America. <laughs> I, I don't know. As long as it just sounds more like Marvel trying to have their cake and eat it too. So, okay, when DC said this stuff, it sounded like an admission, right? Sure. Like, like a, yeah, you know what? You're right. There's something missing. Yeah. We acknowledge it. We, we understand. Up. And here's this here's DC Rebirth, for better or for worse. Now, when Marvel is doing this right now, in the wake of everything that's happened, all of the just the shitstorm after shitstorm that Marvel has gone through the last couple of months, it makes it feel like they are like scrambling to hold on to like their base. Right. And I admit that I am a part of that base. And so when they talk about stuff like returning the books to their old numbering and restoring legacy characters. Right. And all this, all of this stuff, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're speaking my language. But to like part the veil and 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 like kind of look past it, it just seems sort of I don't know if desperate is exactly the right word. No, I don't think it's desperate. Like I think a ploy. Well, I mean, it's all a ploy of some sort. But I, I think it's more just like you said, an admission. Like we fucked up. We moved too fast. We did too much, and we need to dial it back and return to what made us great and slowly reintroduce this other stuff and see if it gains traction. You know, yeah. I think that's more what it is. I think, it, and their numbers are in the toilet. Yeah, they they had one book. I think over sixty thousand ship over sixty thousand, and it was the first time that like Captain America hasn't shipped over sixty thousand in a month for years. Yeah, years. It's just there's there's something about the way they have behaved lately in terms of like their public interactions that makes me think like, well, they're not like this. Let's see if the suckers like this. Whereas when DC did it, it seemed like okay, yeah, we yeah, but DC was also doing the same thing for ten or fifteen years. Sure, I I don't know. Like, there's just something about it where it, it and I I don't think it's just the fact that I'm um a DC person more than a Marvel person. I just there's something about this that makes it seem more cynical than DC Rebirth was. I I don't know about that. I mean. I don't think so. I think this is being done with the best of intentions and for what's right for the company. And that's what it comes down to. And that's what they're always doing. Don't kid yourself. That's what DC had to oh, do, no, too. Oh, no, for sure. No, I get I mean, it. I that's get it. it. It's all about the dollars. And again, it's going to be about execution. Now, the problem is, and this was discussed to at length all over the internet, whether or not they can maintain these new characters these new diverse characters that they have alongside their old characters. Can they serve two can masters? You, can you, well, not just serve two masters, but can you dial back what you've done when you should have done it this way from the beginning? When you should have had maybe some event where these new characters are introduced in the pages of, like, Wolverine or in sure. the pages can, can of Iron Man. Can they kind of pivot the spotlight in, right. this, in this way? Gently back and go, see, this is what we were trying to do. Because I honestly... I don't think all the people that freaked out were, Marvel hates diversity. Blah. That's not what they were saying at all. They said, look, we put this stuff out. Maybe we did it wrong. And they were frustrated. They sounded genuinely frustrated. Right. And they are holding on to these characters. I think it was bad execution, and now they're going to try to re-execute. And it's going to be difficult, but not impossible. I think that's where they're at and what they have to do if they want to be relevant at all. Otherwise, just say, all right, fuck it. Let's go back to 1992, you know? Sure, right. <laughs> I just want the books to be good. I just want the books to be That's good. That's where I'm at, too. I just want them to be good, and this sounds... I want to like Marvel. 
Well, this sounds like they have heard, well, not necessarily heard the outcry, but seen the sales numbers and went, okay, we're doing it wrong. Yeah, like, I want to be excited about Marvel comics in general and not just, like, this one book I read from Marvel was good. Right. No, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I'm reading several things from Marvel that I really enjoy. Or do they feel like they're taking place in a cohesive universe? Not really. (laughs) No, not really, no. And I'm pretty bored with a lot of the other stuff that's going on. So, look. We, like we said, we just want the books to be good. This sounds like they've looked at their sales numbers, they've heard outcry, and they're going to try and fix it. I hope for the best. Very optimistic. That's the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories and everything we missed, head over to the Two-Headed Nerd Forum's big news section. It's a poppin'. That's where we hash out all it this stuff. It is a poppin' with people calling their shots on Generations BS right now. Is it? Yeah, it's popping off. All right. A popping and popping off. Do people say either one of those things anymore? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I keep remembering that Simpsons movie, Chimps a Poppin'. Chimps, Chimps a Poppin'. Every other Sunday, Mary Marching Joe Patrick posts the question of the week. In everybody's favorite digital nerd sanctuary, the Teach on Forums, we talk about them all the goddamn time. Joe Patrick, what are we asking the nerds this week? This question of the week comes from foreign user Molen Wake. That's forum user, not foreign user. <laughs> Sorry, that's what I meant. And that I didn't say foreign, it just came out weird. He might be foreign, I don't care. Which is fine. Like we're, Foreign we welcome, is not a bad word, people. We welcome all of our dirty yes. foreign listeners. <laughs> Send that, us your poor, that you're is tired, a, <laughs> you're filthy, you're stupid. <laughs> These are the jokes. Mullenweich asks, in honor of the recent clone conspiracy storyline in Amazing Spider-Man, who... Is your favorite fictional clone? Okay, and this is not. I love it. This is not a question that you have to look through a microscope. There's a million clones out there. Well, and we're opening it up to beyond just comics because. Uh, oh, just favorite clone, period. So, like, we favorite could, fictional clone. I could be like Orphan Black, man. She is so hot. Hell yeah, favorite clone. All right. And she is. But and yeah, she's the, a badass. Okay, but you understand that Orphan Black is not the name of a character on the show, Orphan Black. No, no, no. Yeah, I got you. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's me, Orphan. Orphan Black. And I'm not going to put up with this cloning crap anymore. And this is my clone, Orphan, Orphan Black. Orphan oh, no. Blue. <laughs> There's a whole like squad of them. Team Orphans, unite! <laughs> you, know. you have until 5 p.m. Central Standard Time this coming Friday, May 5th. That's the day before Free Comic Book Day. And Cinco of Mayo. And the day Guardians of the Galaxy 2 comes out. Holy shit! Unless you see it on Thursday like a normal person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that we're living in a modern society. Yes. Where the weekend starts Wednesday night. <laughs> right. Apparently. You can call our Ziggurat hotline 402-819-4894 and leave a message there. You can also email your mp3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Whatever you do, you've got two minutes. And as part of the all-new, all-different THN cover-to-cover, you'll also be able to call in live using the Ziggurat hotline. We're going to send out a Twitter blast, Facebook burst, uh, whatever other method of communication we can think of. I think it's a Facebook burp. A Facebook burp (laughs) to let you know when the show goes live. Here's a spoiler. We'll be doing this live. That's right. On free comic book day from Legend Comics and Coffee. You can come ask us in person or talk to us in person we have a mic set up it's gonna be rad so follow us on social media if you want to be internet famous you can talk about anything you hear in this episode the question of the week whatever's on your mind if you need more than two minutes go to the thn web forums join our horde of listeners there and if you don't have time or the stones calling to answer the week the forums are the perfect place to rap about everything we do on this show and more it's there for you use it but now 
It is review time in the ziggurat, where there's a chance that Joe and I get into a major, major conflict yeah. with each other over two of this week's comics. Joe, I'm going to be uncharacteristically diplomatic here. I'm going to let you go first. That's awful nice of you. Well, you know, this my, week my pull numbers are in the toilet, so I got to do something. <laughs> this week I'm reviewing Ben Riley, The Scarlet Spider, number one from Marvel Comics, written by Peter David, with art by Mark Bagley, pencils by Mark D- Bagley, inks by John Dell. Sorry, we... We kind of got away from listing everybody in the creative team. That's true. I apologize for that. It's 32 pages for $3.99. What do inkers really do? Though? I mean, come, come on. on. Nothing but a tracer, man. <laughs> tracer chuck line <laughs> around your dead fucking body. <laughs> Here's your solicit. One of the most controversial characters in comics has returned, and the controversy has only begun. Is it that controversial? I know, really? I really... Uh, in the wake of... Uh, with everything else going on, it's Ben Riley's yeah, comeback. I mean... In the aftermath of the Cloak Conspiracy, Ben has a new take on life, and he's not the same Scarlet Spider he was before. Come witness what will be the most talked about comic of the year. Will it be once the again. most talked about? I mean, <laughs> I know you got to have confidence, yeah, but... Like, Come and read the comic that will cure your cancer! You know, <laughs> and like, why not? Let's like, just throw it all out. Really dramatic. <laughs> After seemingly sacrificing himself to save Peter Parker's life, Ben Riley, Peter's clone, was resurrected by none other than the Jackal and subjected to dozens of torturous experiments. The procedures drove Ben quite mad, and he soon broke free, taking the Jackal's title and all the technology that came with it for himself. He began to resurrect anyone that had died as a result of Spider-Man's actions, eventually disguising the procedure as a pharmaceutical cure for death and disease. That did not sit well with the real Peter, of course, who thwarted Ben's plans. Or anyone with half a brain. I know. (laughs) Who thwarted Ben's plans and witnessed his death. Or so Peter thought. Dot, dot, dot. That brings us to the here and now where Ben Riley has fled to Las Vegas. I like to call it lost wages. In the hope of <laughs> currying on. the favor. That's a quote from something. In the hopes of currying the favor of one of the beneficiaries of his miracle cure in order to rebuild. Earlier this week, Matt texted me saying, Ben Riley number one sucked. This is true. And I totally understand that reaction. This is definitely not the sort of story that I was hoping for when Marvel announced that they were bringing Ben Riley back from the dead. This Ben Riley is totally broken by the things that happened to him. He's delusional. He's talking to himself and seeing versions of former loved ones like Mary Jane and Aunt May in the people he encounters. It's a totally different take on the character and not necessarily what I was expecting. But I still found it Oddly compelling. Peter David packs more quips per page than any 10 writers, and that may or may not be your cup of tea, but I've always loved his writing style. Art-wise, it, I mean, it's Mark Bagley, man. John Dell is on the inks, and the art is crisp and clean and dynamic. Bagley's a legend at this point, and like all people that have been around for maybe a little too long, you either kind of love him or hate him in the same way you love or hate John Romita Jr. P.S. I love you, John Romita Jr. <laughs> I've always been a huge Mark Bagley fan, and nothing about his work in this issue let me down. Uh, However, (laughs) he draws uh, incognito Ben with these sunglasses that are straight out of the Brett the Hitman Heart WWF collection. Just terrible. (laughs) And they are ridiculously magnificent. He looked like the fucking Terminator from the original 80s movie. He looked like Brian fucking Bosworth. Yes, there you go, Brian Bosworth. Yeah. Mark Bagley is a great artist, but he is the daddiest of old dads when it comes to style. Yeah. When all is said and done, 
I'm giving Ben Riley number one a strong skim it because, yeah, it's a bizarre direction to go in with his character. I have no idea where or for how long this can run. And it's not what I was looking for, but I'd be lying if I said I didn't want to see where it was going to go. Good God. This felt so dated to me. Dated? So dated. Like this could have been a book from 1998. This just, and it wasn't just the art, because I don't have a problem with uh, Bagley. I don't have a problem with him at all. Am I a little tired of Bagley? Yeah. Do I feel like I've seen everything Mark Bagley's drawn and is ever going to draw? Yes. Is the costume terrible? Big time. <laughs> Big time, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, though I did like, appreciate, they really toned down the weird mouth. They toned that down, which, fine, whatever. Yeah. But everything about this just looked, even the story, it was just dated and it didn't work and i don't need another broken deadpool type character who's sort of good sort of bad but totally crazy and and even with a messed up face yeah i just i don't care i do not care and the clone conspiracy ended up as a mess this is a continuation of that mess so it just feel like it feels like the stakes could not be lower here for this character i am not invested expressly not invested in this i have to give it a leave it and not because it was like badly written or poorly executed it's a bad idea that came out of a bad storyline for a character that i already did not care about see and i and i totally get that i don't think it's a bad idea i just think it's not the idea i was yeah looking for. like if you're going to return ben riley then you got to make me care about it and i already did not care about his return, and now he's in Las Vegas in a stupid costume, talking like a crazy person. I don't care. Leave it. Just leave it. Totally valid. I'm not even going to argue with you. My name is Ben Riley. I'm related to this reality's Peter Parker. How? I'm his clone. Or maybe he's my clone. We're not sure. This dimension's... Matt, it's, uh, it's uh, yet another month. Time for yet another alien number one. Well, we have yet another alien movie coming. So. Yeah, we do. Get excited. Let's talk about it. This one is Aliens Dead Orbit from Dark Horse. It's written and drawn by James Stokoe. It's 32 pages for $3.99. I'm just going to come right out and say this. I don't know if anyone can write an Aliens comic that keeps me interested anymore. I'm going to come right out and say this. This is the sort of comic where you do not need to give a shit about the story. Well, hold on, hold on. Even one of my favorite writers, Brian Wood, who is currently writing Aliens Defiance, a series also set at Dark Horse, has lost my interest. <laughs> I just stopped. I don't care. Yeah. Perhaps it's the nature of the alien films that I love. They're light on dialogue. They're heavy on jump-out-of-your-seat scares and characters running for their lives. It's a formula that is very hard to capture in comics. But James Stokoe seems to be more than up for that task. He has a style that defies definition. It's equal parts John Romita Jr. and Akira creator Katushiro Otomo. There is insane detail in his art when he chooses to show off here it's in the ships, the never-ending maze of wires and circuitry. But Stokoe is also not afraid to give his art some space for dramatic purposes when he needs to. To be perfectly honest, yes, this is just another alien story. But Stokoe's art and storytelling dig straight to the core of what fans have come to love about the Alien franchise. And he makes it look so easy. When I look at the work of a hyper-technical artist like Ken Lashley, for example... I marvel at the detail he puts in each panel, but I picture him drawing for 
hours and hours like a spastic, crazy person. Ken Lashley <laughs> is a very odd choice for this analogy. Well, I'm just saying. I mean, like, he overworks the hell out of his panels. Stokoe packs the same amount into each panel, possibly even more, but it doesn't look cluttered. It doesn't look insane. It looks cool. It looks like it's supposed to be there. It doesn't look over-designed. His art is equally detailed, but it looks like he literally sprays it out of him onto the page. His framing is surprisingly classic, but each panel is just overflowing with his style, down to his constant onomatopoeia, and even his lettering is great. I loved this first issue and be willing to pay for any page of the original art featuring an alien or not. Well, I hope so, because there's only an alien on one page of this comic <laughs> Which is fine. <laughs> I am giving this a massive buy it. Stoko has done for aliens what he did for Godzilla with his last two Godzilla series at IDW. Another character that is very, very hard to capture in comics and do well. This is a gigantic buy it for me. So, I, I mean, I don't care about Aliens comics. Like, I like the Aliens movies just fine. I, I just don't care about them in comic book form. I don't. But, like I said earlier, this is the sort of comic that you buy. You might be an Aliens fan. You might not. But this is, like, an artistic showcase. Sure. I just so happen to love aliens. Sure, right. And, uh, look, I'm and, not even saying that the story was bad. And by the way, before you tweet at me or scream at me, uh, yes, I know there are good aliens titles out there, and I used to love them. I just think anymore they're hard to come by. Right. And on a personal level for me, I just don't care about the comic version of, mm -hmm. of aliens. No, you buy this for the work. Right. Uh, and, and it's not even that the story is bad or that there's no story. There's a story, but it's every, it's every alien story. Right. It's, oh, man. Uh... A rough and tumble crew of uh, space whatevers, space truckers, finds a derelict <laughs> ship yep. just floating out there. I bet. Mm, I guess we better go check it out. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> don't do it. Spoilers. Don't do it. Anyway, the art in this. It's book, not like Waylon Yutani is sending out memos about this. <laughs> right? All right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that is fair. <laughs> their 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 intercompany memos are just like everything's fine out there. Everything's absolutely fine. Did you fine. read that Xenomorph thing? Ah, it was too long. <laughs> Fuck it. But this book is such, it's, it's stunning. It's so visually impactful Yeah. that, you know, this is the sort of thing, I don't normally advocate buying books just for the art, but this is the sort of book that you would do that with. Absolutely. And it's an absolute buy it for me. It was phenomenal. And it was creepy. And, it was, and the last page, like, you knew what was going to happen on that last page. And, but sure. still, it was still delivered with such yeah, the an, moment an impact. Was perfect. Because Even though you could see it coming. His pacing is so damn good. Yeah. I think he just understands that pacing and can stick himself in the movie franchise and go, okay, this is exactly what I would want to see on screen. But he can realize that in comic book form. That is very difficult. Uh, so, you know, he's doing his own thing and also sticking to the classic Aliens formula. Yeah. Totally works. It's a beautiful book. Buy it. So that is a skim it and leave it for Ben Riley and a double buy it for Aliens Dead Orbit. Now it's your turn. Maybe you love heroes and hoodies and have had enough of this alien stuff. Head over to the forums. Let us know what you thought I just, about these comments. I just can't get enough of that alien stuff. That xenomorphic stuff. 
With Cinco de Mayo upon us, Matt and I have entered into a beat the clock match where we'll be testing our Lucha Libre skills against several of this and last week's number one comic contenders. So sit back and enjoy this tag team assault as we flip, slam, and take ten more comics outside the ring for some serious punishment Get during the tables. The ludicrous speed run! Ludicrous speed! Go! Nick Fury, number one from Marvel. James Robinson and Akko, still figuring out who yeah. that is, yeah. go the full Steranko with this debut issue, establishing Nick Fury Jr. as the Marvel Universe's preeminent super spy. This is a psychedelic James Bondian pop art explosion of art and action that doesn't even give you time to dwell on how mad you may or may not be about Junior's old man. <laughs> and that's a really nice way of saying that it's very... Very light on character development, yes. but Robinson and Akko blow the doors off this one. And if this is their mission statement for this series, I'm on board. I'm giving Nick Fury number one a bite. Yeah, it was very pretty. World Reader number one from Aftershock. Jimmy Kimmel show writer Jeff Loveness is apparently a huge sci-fi nerd, and here he's writing a haunting space saga featuring a psychic astronaut that enters a psychedelic state to commune with dead aliens to figure out who or what has been stamping out life in the universe. It's a cool setup with even more impressive art by Wando. That guy is crazy, crazy, crazy talented. If you're looking for trippy sci-fi in the vein of Kubrick's 2001, look no further. World Reader sets up a desolate universe where humanity may be the only life that remains, and I'm giving it a goddamn buy it. God damn it. Batman slash The Shadow, number one from DC slash Dynamite. I normally ignore all of the character X slash Dynamite character crossovers, but with a creative team like Steve Orlando, Scott Snyder, Riley Rosmo, and Ivan Placentia, I couldn't help but give this a look. Batman is on the hunt for the killer of a man named Lamont Cranston. Where do I know that name? And it looks like the shadow is the prime suspect. Okay, does, that doesn't make sense. Now, <laughs> isn't Lamont Cranston the shadow? Yes, every day. Okay, this was a fantastic story that heavily leans on Batman's detective roots, which I always love to see, with absolutely phenomenal art by Rosmo and Placentia. Don't let this pass you by. Don't look at the dynamite label and say, eh, it doesn't count, it doesn't matter. This book was amazing. Batman The Shadow gets a huge buy-in. Does this take place modern day? Yes. He's investigating an old murder. No. No. Um, you have to read it. Still a, okay, never mind. Yeah, you, you just have to read it to no spoilers figure here. that out. Yeah. The Greatest Adventure. No, no. Just Greatest Adventure. There is no the. Are you sure? Yep. All right. Greatest Adventure, number one from Dynamite. It almost sounds like they forgot a pronoun in the title, right? Like Tarzan or John Carter or... Deja Thoris, or Korak the Killer's Greatest Adventure, whatever the fuck Korak is. Regardless, they're all here, and Fable's writer Bill Willingham is steering the ship for the latest crossover of Edgar Rice Burroughs' Greatest Heroes. This story moves fast and may continue from another story, but there are no hints as to where it may have started. <laughs> Cesar Rezek does a wonderful job in art, making this feel very Silver Age. But wow, did Willingham write the hell out of the dialogue here. It was so much conversation, which I guess is needed to set up a story that causes all the collision of all these characters. Man, did it get boring. The pronoun lacking greatest adventures gets a skip. I hate to be the one to break it to you, but it says the greatest adventure right there on the cover. Oh, it does. Yeah. Um, Okay. Well, whatever. Okay. Sticking with my skim in. Don't let the details slow you down now. Action Comics 978 from DC. 
I was all set to review Colossi, number two from Vault Comics, but it didn't come out like it was supposed to. So, you get to hear me gush about how much I loved the reveals in this issue, which established Superman's new definitive history, merging the post-crisis and New 52 timelines together. Woo! It's not perfect or complete, of course. It's just one issue so far. Sounds messy. But I grinned from ear to ear seeing Dan Jurgens and Carlo Barberi smash the New 52's idiotic five-year timeline to pieces. Recent events in this title definitely are going to have ramifications for literally the entire Rebirth line. I can't wait to see what's left standing when the dust settles. There's going to be a lot of readers that shrug and move on, but I could not be more invested at this point. Action Comics 978 is a is a huge buy. Yeah, I was gonna say it's a strong skim. It. I think I may have. I think I was cut and pasting it. Shaolin Cowboy, who will stop the rain? R e i g h. Nope. No. R e i g h. Number one from Dark Horse. Jeff Darrow's Kung Fu Cowpoke returns. Got me all worked up. Gravely injured and on the run from one of his oldest enemies, a Nazi crab with mind control powers. Oh shit. Yeah. Come for the amazing detail art, and if you're a fan of B-movie dialogue and plots so bizarre they could only exist in pages of comics, you will stay for the ride. Darrow Shallon Cowboy is an absurdist comic fiction at its best, with art to match. The guy is so damn talented. Buy it! Rednick, number one, from Image. The Bowman clan lives a quiet life in East Texas, keeping to themselves as best they can. Just so happens. Sounds like the beginning of <laughs> it's a John Mellencamp song. Yeah, the Bowman clan lives a quiet life in East Texas, keeping themselves as best as they can. <laughs> it just so happens that they're a family of ancient vampires, and their quiet lives never stay quiet for long. Donny Cates has done it again. This time, he teams with artist Lissandro Estherin for a story that's equal parts Southern Bastards and American Vampire, Southern Fried drama and mystery with a tinge of horror, fantastic art. What's not to love? Redneck number one gets a buy it. I really like it, too. It was cool. I'm curious about where you're at with this one. Plastic number one from Image. Imagine the plot of Lars and the Real World, the heartwarming story of Ryan Gosling as a recluse that falls in love with a mannequin, minus the heartwarming, and with way more sex and violence, and you've got plastic. I really like Daniel Hilliard's art. He is a very angular Ryan Otley type style, but the story read like something out of Rob Zombie's writing room. Our main character is in love with an inflatable sex doll, and everyone that meets her immediately wants to have sex with her. So he beats them to near death. There was just And for not... some reason, he's a former special ops. Yeah, I don't <laughs> know where this is going. I didn't really get it, and it just seemed like dirty and nasty to be dirty and nasty. I'm giving it a skim it, because it was pretty to look at. I mean, I do agree that uh, spot on with your Otley comparison. Yeah, the that guy's good. very talented. Yeah. Secret Empire, zero from Marvel. It should be Secret Empire number one, but who's really counting? Is there more? Did they add an issue or something? Uh, no. Okay. It's just that's how they're doing it. They're starting it with a zero issue, even though this really is like the kickoff to the event. Cool. Honestly, I was at a loss to how to approach Secret Empire. Marvel and writer Nick Spencer have created a story in which Captain America, a patriotic super soldier created by two Jewish men during the height of the world's fight against Nazi Germany, has been revealed to be a secret agent of a fascist organization closely tied to Nazi ideals. To make matters worse, and thanks to the reality-altering powers of the Cosmic Cube, he always has been. Oh, which means they can just turn it off. I get it. I understand, though. I acknowledge the reasons why this storyline has really offended so many people, even if I don't necessarily share those feelings. 
I don't have to be offended to understand why other people feel hurt by it. Personally, and with, like Matt said, years of experience reading comics with a built-in cosmic reset button, coloring my outlook, I think the idea of Captain America being under the thrall of his greatest enemies is kind of interesting. And the execution of his plan in this issue was compelling. Rod Rice and Daniel Acuna deliver some outstanding visuals. But everything about this was colored by Marvel's disastrous handling of this event. Their marketing scheme, their tone-deaf response to negative reaction, and the tendency of their writers and editors to flat-out, no joke, antagonize people online. And so I, I gotta give this a skim it because every time I think about it or read it, I'm just thinking about how colossally Marvel has fucked it up. It's okay for you to like it. It's okay for you to disagree with what other people think. It's not okay to dismiss people out of hand. And Marvel is doubling down with more and more nonsense like Hydra takeovers at your local comic shops. Like, this is all... This See, been, like, I think that sounds kind of... But fun, this has but. been, like, a year-long... My problem with it is it's lasted 14 issues in Captain America, and it's boring. Yes. It's boring. Right. And you can't build a huge thing like this with a really simple cosmic reset button. It's not even creative. Yeah. Like, do something... If you want to do this, fine. But don't use a fucking cosmic cube, because that means we just flip a switch, and it's all gone, and everything's fine. That's lazy. Yes, I lazy story. Yeah, I just think Marvel blew it with this one. It's a skim it. Night Owl Academy, number one from IDW. David is a high school nerd who enlists the help of a computer geek and a jock to investigate the death of a friend and another student at the hands of a mob. Sounds like a fun enough underdog story, but it gets off to a very slow start with some clunky dialogue. Artist Pius Back, who sounds like a Harry Potter villain. I thought, has, in fact, I read it as Pius Black, yes, and you're exactly that. right. <laughs> has an interesting heavy line style, but he really needs better dialogue and pace to keep this story moving. I'm giving it a pretty low skin. That is the onomatopoeia of the week, and Amitofu is the mantra of an injured Shaolin cowboy, as seen in Shaolin Cowboy, who will stop the rain. Number one. He is effed up when we first find him. Yikes. With no explanation. Don't need it. <laughs> yeah, I guess not. Yeah. If you need more speedy reviews of this week's comics, head over to TwoHeadedNerd.com and check out the master of dollar bin comic kung fu, Aaron Myers' ludicrous speed reviews each and every Thursday. Yeah. If you follow his Instagram or his Twitter, it's just like, oh, $2 fine. First appearance of the Beast. $2 fine. <laughs> I think if he could turn this into a full-time job that feeds his family, he would quit his very oh, yeah. uh, his very nice computer science job in a heartbeat. He had like a late night uh, post on, I think it was Twitter, said, I need, oh, it was, uh, he put up a poll. Should I take out a $30,000 yes. loan to buy comics? Yeah. And the answers were yes or no. <laughs> That's it. Nowhere in there is like, was there a what the fuck are you thinking button? Yeah, no. <laughs> well, and- like his wife Chrissy was like, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of on board with it because he's really good at it. See, I think he impersonates her on the web because there's no way any wife in their right mind would. I mean, my uh, wife would shoot me in the head twice if I did that. Okay. Yeah, but you're a colossal failure. Joe, that was a brutal battle. We sacrificed our bodies and careers to win back the tag team titles. Now. Let's retire to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum to meditate and sip on some Infinity Formula cocktails to heal these wounds. Meditation is so boring. 
Can't we just get tipsy and talk about what we're excited to read next week? Fine, fine. Next week, I am excited for Bane Conquest, number one from DC, written by Chuck Dixon with art by Graham Nolan. Here's your solicit. The co-creators of Bane make a triumphant return to the character with a 12-issue series that will push him to the limit. Bane is seeking to create a global criminal empire with the help of his original gang, Bird, Trog, and Zombie. They weren't really good with names at Santa Prisca. What can you do? Yeah, I know. The man who broke the bat moves beyond Gotham to find new cities to conquer and new enemies to crush. He won't stop until he stands at the top of the world of crime. For Bane, it's all about conquest. Joe Patrick, what are you excited for? Next week, I'm excited for the kickoff of the Catalyst Prime universe in Catalyst Prime Noble, number one from Lionforge, written by Brandon Thomas with art by Roger Robinson. It's 32 pages for $3.99, and here is your solicit. Catalyst Prime has begun! One year after the event, missing astronaut David Powell has resurfaced with dangerous new abilities and no memory of the man he once was. While desperately trying to regain his identity, David quickly finds himself a man on the run from shadowy forces as well as his forgotten past. I don't know if they could be any hazier about what's going on here. <laughs> Honestly, I yeah, I agree. But... Uh, I'm really more interested in the launch of the universe mm -hmm. than I am necessarily this specific No, we reported comic. on this a while ago, and we were pretty excited about I'm it. I'm very eager to see how they do it and how they build this new world. This is the start. Checking it out. Lion Forge coming up. The THN trade for next week is Divinity 3, Stalinverse, the trade paperback from Valiant Entertainment. It's written by Matt Kent. It's got art by the amazing Trevor Harrison. It's 112 pages for $14.99. It's a steal. Yeah, it's got to be. It's cheap as free, baby. Here's your solicit. Earth has a new god. The world you know is gone. Welcome to the Stalinverse, comrade. Yeah. Welcome to the year 2017. Still in America with a K now, are we? Where the Soviet Union has spent decades as the world's reigning superpower in the Iron Curtain, now encircles a planet riddled with war, strife, and oppression, sort of like today. Freedom is a thing of the past in the Stalinverse, dot, dot, dot. So why can't Russian intelligence officer Colin King shake the feeling that something has gone terribly wrong? Oh, man. He'll put his freedom and life on the line to uncover the truth, dot, 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 even if that means finding out whatever happened to the long-missing cosmonaut. Abram Adams, the one man who just might hold the key to unraveling the dystopian world today, dot, dot, dot. New York Times bestselling writer, yada, yada, yada. We have raved about They never divinity. met an ellipsis they didn't like. No. I think they're getting paid by the ellipsis. <laughs> divinity is wonderful. Yes. All of them have just been stunning I, yes. and wonderful, and they're doing this sort of else world things that totally counts and executing the hell out oh, of Oh, man. Uh, this collects uh, Divinity 3, Stalin verse 1 through 4. No mention of the one-shot tie-ins that were part of the event. Uh, uh, hopefully those get collected in the respective characters' yeah, books. I'm kind of shocked. Maybe there'll be a second book for those. Okay. Yeah, there were probably. Four of the, there were four of them. Marketing, baby. Yeah. But, oh, everything... We talk about events a lot. Uh, it's like, oh, great premise, strong start. Right. <laughs> bad yeah. finish. Divinity 3 was amazing start to finish, it really front was. to back. Even the tie-ins were great. Now, if only I could get this kid to read other Valiant books. I'm trying, man. Come on. I'm trying. Jesus. I'm reading Exo Man of War. That's great. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's so good. 
So there's our picks for next week. I got to work on the shoulder a little more, and uh, I'm going to try just sort of topically applying some of the Infinity Formula. Oh, that'll see if that helps. If it tingles, that means it's working. <laughs> Be sure to drop us a tweet or a Facebook burp if you see something that you think we've got to read. Joe, what is that damn noise? Well, shut it down, man! It's too late! It looks like we're headed back to Wizards number 33, published in May of 1994! Is that the one with Jim Bellin's cat in the Joe, we've been transported back to 1994. A young, spry Joe Patrick and Matt is out there someplace, but we can't bump into them. Otherwise, we'll screw up. There was no World Series championship this year because baseball was on strike. Oh, man. Jillian Anderson and Pamela Anderson were the hottest things out there on TV. And no relation, though. I think they're sisters. And by the way, Mama always said that life was like a box of chocolates, Joey. Forrest Gump was your Oscar Award Best Picture. We're not here to talk about any of that. No, we're not. We are trapped in comics nerdy past in the pages of Wizard Magazine. Joe Patrick. Take us on a journey. Wizard Magazine number 33, cover date May 1994, uh, though I'm sure it must have come out a month or two earlier than that. Uh, the biggest news this month is the death of Jack Kirby. Oh, yeah. Who passed away in February, February 6th, 1994. Wizard at, was kind enough to wait until May at, <laughs> to say goodbye. I think this issue probably came out the... Probably came out in March. I think it was too painful. They're usually it was too cover painful, dated two months so later. They just had to wait and get wrap their heads around it. Uh, yeah, Jack Kirby passed away at age seventy six on February sixth, uh, and so this magazine is chock full of memorials to the king. The entire letters page is devoted to letters from comic pros expressing their appreciation for Jack Kirby and his influence on their work. It's actually pretty cool. Oh. Um, the the news page has a big story about it, and it's scattered throughout the issue. Well, I don't want to talk about the cool stuff. Let's talk about the bullshit. Yeah, let's talk about the bullshit. <laughs> so moving on to the bullshit. Yada, well, yada, yada. Jack Kirby, greatest of all time. I get it, all right? I mean, I'm just saying, like, in this instance, good job, Wizard Magazine. Mm. Uh, in other big news, though, for May 1994, Joe Casada leaves Valiant Comics. Oh, my God. Amid a firestorm of controversy. What is Valiant going to do? I, I think they'll probably tank and then come back in 25 years. Three or four times. <laughs> uh, they're just gearing up for rumors of Punisher meets the Ar- uh, the Punisher meets Archie, oh. uh, which we all know was too real and too spectacular. Yeah. Launched the whole Punisher versus Archie verse. <laughs> that was crazy. <laughs> yeah. And that full length Punisher versus Archie movie. There is a uh, there's a little blurb in here about uh, Hannah Barber or Cartoon Network's plans to launch a late night talk show starring Space Ghost, Aww. which we all know is uh, in reference to Space Ghost Coast to Coast. It's a nice little throwback. There is no I in team, <laughs> but there is a me and a meat. <laughs> Y'all. Where'd you learn to talk like that? <laughs> Hattiesburg. <laughs> what were you doing in Hattiesburg? Kicking Kick it. it. <laughs> it's my favorite Space Ghost quote of all time. Uh, the first big article in this issue of Wizard is the cover story. Interview with Jim Ballant. 
artist of the hot new Catwoman series. Hot with a spelled with two double D's, baby. Uh, there, <laughs> there is a quote in this in this interview that says, "I'm drawing Catwoman so voluptuously because at an early age, I was scared by Dolly Parton." <laughs> what? <laughs> Like, scared that Dolly was going to fall over when she was standing up? No context needed. (laughs) Move on. Uh, Fun little artifact. There's, like, a sidebar article within this story about uh, the past of Catwoman and the different interpretations uh, written by our very own Dan DiDio. Oh. Wait a minute, Dan. Everybody got their start somewhere. Hey. Uh, The next big article is all about Prime and the Ultraverse. That Art. turned out really well. Yeah. To this day, still kicking ass. Way to go, Ultraverse. Uh, the <laughs> co-creator of Prime was just arrested for child pornography. Hey. Yeah, good. Is that true? That is absolutely true. What, what was his name? Gerard Jones. It's Gerard a bad Jones? deal. Oh, yeah. my God. Yep. The hunk and babe of the month, which is something I forgot Wizard did. Who was our hunk? Who was our hunk? Hunk of the month was Deathblow. Okay. He was a hunk. Who, at the time. He was a hunky dude. He's very top heavy. He was ripped up. For a man. Yeah. Uh, at the time, Deathblow, I believe, had only made two comic book appearances. Yes, it was yes. So- he only had two issues of Deathblow on the stands as of this writing, and like in a span of four years or something embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> Who is our babe? Who's the, our babe? The babe of the month is Persuasion, hmm? who uh, is, I believe, uh, a member of, was a member of Alpha Flight. Persuasion the, or one of the spin-off Alpha Flights. Let me see her. The daughter of. Let me see her. You're not going to recognize her from Let this me see photo. Her. It's from the Marvel swimsuit issue. Persuade. Oh gosh. She's, she's the purple man. Oh, oh, oh. The purple man's daughter. Uh, 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 Omega Flight. Yeah. Right. Yes. Uh, and they make nothing but thong jokes in this. All right. Moving on, we've got uh, the always up to date Wizard Movie News. Uh, and by which I say there is no real news because it's May of 1994. Uh, there's something in here about Canada banning the X-Men cartoon for some reason. Uh, there is a hilarious, like, speculative... I'm she was in beta flight. Be- My bad. Oh, man, I'm really glad you corrected. Well, come on. Really glad you corrected yourself. Kara Kilgrave. Yeah. There's a really hilarious little blurb in here about uh, the plot of the first... X, uh, the first Star Trek The Next Generation movie, oh. which crossed over with uh, the old series. Right, Generations. So generations. Yeah. At the time, though, they were just like, I don't know what's going to happen. And in here, they describe what they have learned the plot to be, which is, or an alien race finds a derelict spaceship containing the cryogenically frozen body of James D. Kirk. Uh, Kirk is then thawed and brainwashed by the aliens into fighting the next generation Enterprise. Huh. Uh, maybe in an alternate universe. Yeah, not so much. That may have been that may have been better than what we actually got. No way. I liked Generations. Generations was a lot of fun. The Space Ribbon and Roddy McDowell. I liked it. It was great. Okay. It or was cool. Malcolm McDowell. Sorry. It was Malcolm McDowell. Not his hack, no talent brother Roddy. Uh, R.I.P. Roddy McDowell. He died. Uh, there's a lot of talk about William Shatner's tech war in here. Uh, yeah, they were pushing the hell out of that yeah. at the time. Oh, a script review of the upcoming Shadow movie starring Alec Baldwin? Oh, boy. <laughs> There's a really good How Did This Get Made episode all about the Shadow. <laughs> it was, that movie was wacky. To say the least, it to was wacky. The very least. <laughs> well, they had some travel problems, too, because like the Shadow took place like in the 30s or 40s or something. And you're yeah. like, we're in New York. We're like, oh, my God, we've got to get to Mongolia. 15 minutes later, here we are. <laughs> you know, like. 
Uh, there is a great piece focusing on Mike and Laura Allred. Oh. Uh, because this came hot on the heels of the release of Madman Comics number one. Loved it, loved it, loved it. The loved first it. issue of Madman at Dark Horse. Yes. A lot of talk about trading cards in this issue. A oh lot of talk about trading cards. Oh, boy. Uh, do you have like your new? Do you have your pre-order in for the new set of Flare Marvel cards, Matt? Uh, actually, uh, I was never a trading card guy. I never was. I was a big time. You know what I did like when they do those full sheets that had them all on them, and you could like put them on the, on the poster on the wall. Yeah, I thought those were kind of cool, but I never gave a crap about trading cards. I loved trading cards so much, nerd. And there's a trading card price guide in here where they itemize individual trading cards. What is the most expensive trading card in that price guide? Well, you've got all your like hologram cards and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Who's, so, the, and who's the big winner? Who's those the big winner? don't count. No, they count. Who is the big winner? Mm. Most expensive. Because that's what it was all about. The tricks and the bullshit. Same card. We put a little bit of foil on it. It's worth $70. <laughs> the five card Spectra set, which included five hologram cards, uh, 64 bucks. 64 fucking dollars for yeah. trading cards. For five trading cards. Man, we were dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Enough about this. It makes those Pogs guys look like geniuses. Depressing. <laughs> Here's a Wizard Wayback Machine favorite. The top 10 heroes and villains of the month. Let's count them down. Number 10, Prime. Okay. Number 9, Superman. All right. Number 8, Nin. Whoa, Superman is number 9? <laughs> Wait till you hear the rest of the list. Oh, boy. Number 8, Ninjack. Number 7, Sabretooth. Number 6, Gambit. Number 5, Wolverine. Number 4, Pit. With two Ts. Oh, boy. Number 3, Batman. But not just any Batman. Azrael. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Number two, Spider-Man, and number one, of course, Spawn. Spawn. So we were knee-deep in Valiant and Image at the time. Oh, yeah. This book is dirty with it. Wow. The Mort of the Month, which was their monthly spotlight on very terrible comic book characters, goes to Mindworm, who is an old Spider-Man villain from the 70s. Mindworm? Yep. Was he an actual worm? No, he was a guy with okay. mental powers. He had a gigantic brain. Okay. Comics to watch. This month, Secret Origins Special Number One, which had a lot of work in it by young Neil Gaiman. Oh. And Iron Man 170, the first appearance of James Rhodes as Iron Man. Oh. Uh, they are horny for the Miller, McFarlane, Spawn, Batman crossovers. They're specifically horny for Horny. It? Huge bonus. <laughs> wow. <laughs> However, the picks, the big picks for this month, Superman Doomsday Hunter Prey, number one. Oh the boy. rematch. Oh, boy. Secret Weapons, number 11 from Valiant for some reason. That was huge. Huge back in the day. And I remember those selling for stupid money. <laughs> and Incredible Hulk, number 418, The Wedding of Rick Jones and His Girlfriend Marlo. I loved that issue. Hell yeah, me too. It was too. so great. That's when we found out like Marlo was in some racy films. <laughs> no, that was like the issue before. There was The Bachelor Party. Oh, right, right, right. But yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and like... Um, Somebody who had like never thought of the idea, like never considered the idea of pornography, saw that with them, and they were like, "What is happening?" I forget who it was. Was it the Vision? Maybe he's a robot. Yeah, I remember on the cover, everybody like looked shocked, and the Hulk was covering Captain America's eyes. Yeah, right. Smiling, (laughs) like what's going on? (laughs) Here's a feature that wasn't in our last Wayback Machine: the top ten highest selling comic books in April 1994, as reported by retailers. Give me the top five. Number five, Marvel's number one. Okay, yeah. 
I could see that. Number four, X Men number thirty. Can you tell me what happened in X Men number thirty? No. The wedding of Scott and Jean. Oh. Number we lousy with weddings this month. Yeah. Number three, Lady Death. Uh, Lady Death number one, not oh. Lady Death Strike. Number two, Beavis and Butthead number one from Marvel Comics. Good God. And number one, Prophet number four A. <laughs> That was Stephen Platt working on Profit at the time, I believe. Uh, no, this was, uh, he did the cover, but at this point. Oh, the he was still working on Moon Knight. Was probably. Dan Panosian. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, so Moon Knight 55 and Moon Knight 60. So they had back issues in here as well. Uh, the, the tail end of Stephen Platt's Moon Knight run were okay. in here at number six and number nine. Uh, but yeah, quite a list. There you go. But Beavis and Butthead. So that was absolutely one of those things where they packaged it. In something and sent it to every Toys R Us in the United no, States. No, it was on the. It was a newsstand. I know. Comic. I know it was on the stands, but there's no way. I don't. This is that the height of frog baseball controversy, Matt. Come I on, get it. But like seriously, kids were dropping bowling balls from overpasses. <laughs> I think that happened exactly once. I don't think there how was many like a times does it take <laughs> to become an epidemic? More than once. Uh, you want me to hit you with the uh, top ten writers and artists? Let's do it. Artists. Number 10, Mark Texiera, who was drawing Union at the time. And a lot of cards. A lot of collectible yeah. cards. Number 9, Andy Kubert on X-Men. Number 8, Mark Silvestri on Cyberforce. Number 7, Bart Sears. He was working at Valiant. Silver Surfer. Oh. Uh, upcoming Silver Surfer, and he was drawing the Violator. Oh, Violator okay. for Image. Okay. Number 6, Stephen Platt. Number 5, Dale Keown. Number 4, Frank Miller, who was uh, getting a lot of attention for Sin City at the time. Yes. Number three, Joe Casada, and it says upcoming question mark. Ash? Would that have been Ash? Well, no, because he was drawing Ninjak and he left in a storm of controversy. Yeah, and I think next he would have done Ash. I think he launched the yeah. event entertainment with Jimmy Palmiotti. Yeah. Number two, Jim Lee. Number one, Todd McFarlane. I was going to say, let me guess number one is Todd McFarlane, but whatever. Here's your writers. Number 10, Matt Wagner. What was he doing at the time? Sandman Mystery Theater. Oh, yeah. I, I still have my full run. Love that story. Number nine, Jim Shooter for Warriors of Plasm. Jimmy. I think they're just throwing him a bone there. Number eight, Dan Jurgens. Number seven, Fabian Nicieza. Number six, Chris Claremont, who had left the X-Men at this point. He yeah. was writing Aliens vs. Predator. Huh. Uh, number five, Alan Moore. Number four, John Byrne. Number three, Peter David. Number two, Neil Gaiman. Number one, your number one writer, Frank Miller. Oh, go cool. figure. Well, I mean, Sin City was... Yeah. Hitting its stride in 94, man. Yeah, for sure. Oh. That would have uh, been like a dame to kill for, I think. Yeah, like the oh, yeah. first one, right? Yep, a dame to kill for. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Uh, there's the always entertaining Wizard Price Guide, which does not go far enough back to have any like historical fun. Like, doesn't I, need to. Nothing about a Action Comics number one in no, here. No, doesn't need to. But like, I like to look at old price guides and say, what was Action Comics number one going for? Right. At this point in time. Is it really not listed? You, I thought they did. No, they, they, they don't go that far back. Huh. No. Jerks. Ah, here's perhaps the highlight of the issue for me. Oh, boy. Uh, in the final pages of Wizard 33, there is something called the Wiz Quiz. Okay, now, we don't know for certain because several of you sent us Wizards, but we are just going to assume this is Brian Domingos. Yes, based out. on some of the answers, I believe this is from Brian yeah, Domingos. We have narrowed it down. Uh, he, the Wizard wanted to know what you thought of various... Uh, articles in the in the issue. Uh, he wanted to know, in order of most to least favorite, your top five favorite comic book artists and writers. And in order of most favorite to least favorite, your five favorite comic book characters. So who's let's just go most and least. Let's not, we don't need to read the whole list. 
Uh, most, most favorite. Most favorite comic creator, Jim Lee. Or okay. most favorite artist, Jim Lee. Oh, yeah. Least, or number five, so not least favorite, uh, J. Scott Campbell. Oh, he hated J. Scott Campbell. No, top five favorite. Not, number five does not mean least favorite. It just means he's number five on the list of favorites. Oh, oh, oh. oh so it wasn't like, okay, sorry. From most to least favorite, yeah. not like which ones do you love, which ones do you hate. Yeah, so he hated J. Scott Campbell. <laughs> right. Got it. Uh, his favorite writer at the time was Todd McFarlane. Of course. Woof. We were all knee-deep in Spawn. I get it. I was there, too. Uh, and his five favorite characters were, and this is what's clinched it for me as being from Brian Domingos. Okay. Burnout, Backlash, Spawn, Ripclaw, and Warblade, four of which are huge Wildstorm characters. Look, I'm just going to say I loved all of those. <laughs> all right. I admit it. I love them all. Uh, also, according to this quiz, Brian was not a fan of Lois and Clark, The New Adventure. Because that show sucked. It sucked. It was terrible. You love Dean Cain. He seems like a really nice guy. And that's all we got. There we go. That's the wizard. That is your wizard wayback machine. It's all right. I'm starting to. I'm starting to feel the pull. I think we're getting sucked back to modern day. Our rubber Jones. band is springing us it's back. It's time to, the to go net. anyway. Yeah. Thank God for the lifeline we play. Ah! It's an resurrection. Come on, come on, come on. They're sweet, mutant charm. Feel it, feel it. Because Joe Patrick demanded it. The Comic Pushers do Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. The Comic Pushers are back! And we're dropping dope rhymes over dope beats. Today, a dirty-ass sweatpants-wearing shirtless comic junkie named Sir Jimothy scrawls out in shaky handwriting. I've just finished Chew by John Lehman and Rob Guillory. All I can say is, what the heck? That was awesome! It made me feel so many things. And was consistently entertaining and surprising. It wasn't without its faults, of course. It kind of ended 20 issues before it actually yes. ended. But I fell in love with the warped sense of humor. Not surprisingly, I want more. Anything similar to Chew that you nerds can recommend. Now, we're not going to take this literally and go straight into food comics. Yeah, no. But we're going to go with off-kilter humor that came off as a really weird plot when we read about it and ended up loving. Yeah. Joe Patrick, you want to get us started? I absolutely can, and I just want to acknowledge for the record that Sir Jimothy on the forums is, in fact, Jimmy Randall. Yeah. The Thunder from... No, that's the Cleon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Cleon's source. R.I.P. Who I think passed away. Where is he? Yeah. I think he got eaten by sharks at the Great Come Barrier back. Reef. Come back, <laughs> Cleon. So, yeah, this was actually, at first, a tricky question to me until we kind of thought about it, like you said, in a different way. Not, like, literally, like, chew. Right. Not food-based. But not, just a wacky plot. But comic books... Comic books that have kind of a simple premise with an outrageous hook, right? Yeah. And for me, the first thing that came to mind was Hitman, the DC comic written by Garth Ennis and drawn by John McRae in the 90s. Hitman ran for 60 issues. It spun out of the Bloodlines crossover, the only good thing to come out of that crossover. Sorry to all you gunfire fans out there. <laughs> uh Hitman 
was based on the character Tommy Monahan, who was, like the title suggests, a hitman for um, whoever could afford his services until he was bitten by an alien parasite. And when he recovered, he discovered that he had X-ray vision and telepathy, which he then used uh, to spin his career off into new heights as an assassin of supervillains. Sure, of course. The the whole assassinating supervillains thing didn't last very long. No. But Hitman is bizarre and hilarious and outrageous. The cast of characters is completely bonkers. All of his best friends are, of course, degenerates. Uh, they meet a demon, a literal demon from hell named Bator, who ends up becoming the bartender at the bar that they hang out at. Uh, there's a guy named Hacken who has a mohawk who is a complete idiot that they keep bagging on. Uh, he's got a friendly rivalry going with, I can't remember his name, but a, a, a rival hitman who's like um, kind of this like John Woo style uh, Jet Li kind of yeah, action. Yeah, I can't remember his name either. I'm trying to plead blank. I want to say like Johnny Navarone, but I think Navarone was the name of one of the storylines. Okay. It doesn't matter. And they all hung out at this bar called Noonan's, which was run by a former uh, hitman who had retired and, and kind of like settled down. And it's full of like crazy comedy moments, um, like zombie monsters taking, taking over the aquarium so that there's like zombie seals running around and they have to club them to death. Um, and then also these were like really poignant moments about like Tommy's time in the military with his friend Nat and how that kind of came back to haunt them. But yeah, it's a wonderful, wonderful self-contained series that ran for five years. Uh, huge highs, hilarious beats, uh, very serious emotional stuff. I highly recommend Hitman. Awesome. I am going to go with... Flaming Carrot Comics. Yeah. Yes. I. So you went full on absurdist. Yeah. I loved Flaming Carrot Comics. For those of you who don't know, the Flaming Carrot was a guy in a collared shirt, red pants, green fins, and a carrot for a head with flames where the, uh, you know, leaves should be. Yeah. <laughs> His Flaming Carrot was developed by, uh, why can't I find the guy's name? Bob Burden. Bob Burden was working for Aardvark Vanheim Comics at the time, which was where we got Cerebus from. Yeah. The Flaming Carrot would go on to be part of the Mystery Men. You may remember the Mystery Men movie that came out. still holds up. It is fantastic. He's crossed over with the Tick a few times. He is completely ridiculous. Here is his origin. The Flaming Carrot sat down and read 5,000 comics in a single sitting to win a bet and suffered brain damage from it. <laughs> Directly after this, <laughs> he became the Flaming Carrot. He lives in Palookaville, a neighborhood of Iron City. He staved off at least three alien invasions, a communist takeover, flying dead dogs, the man in the moon, death, and a clone horde of evil marching Hitler boots. He possesses no superpowers whatsoever, but fought and won all these battles out of sheer luck and tenacity, more or less. Flaming Carrot, he was also a member of the blue-collar superhero group, like I said, the Mystery Men. They were first introduced in Flaming Carrot 16. There is a wonderful collection of all the Flaming Carrot comics that you can pick up. They are hilarious. If you like The Tick, if you liked The, the Mystery Men yeah. movie, you would love Flaming Carrot. I miss this character so much. Go pick up the Fleming Carrot. It's wonderful. And you can get it all in one shot. All of it. Bang. What a value. Yeah. Uh, so for me, Hitman was kind of like an old favorite. And so I also chose a current favorite, a new book that's just a few issues in. 
uh, and that is Curse Words from Image Comics. Really good stuff. Which is written by Charles Soule with art by Ryan Brown, the creator of God Hates Astronauts. Mm -hmm. uh, and Curse Words is about a wizard named Wizard <laughs> and his, his familiar, a talking pet koala named Margaret. And Wizard is an evil wizard hated and feared in his own time. And so he comes forward in time to the present day so that he can turn his, his life around and be loved by the populace. So he starts creating this image of him as this protector and hero, but he's really bad at it. And he keeps like doing terrible things like uh, his ancient enemy found him and showed up in front of a stadium full of people. And he accidentally like turned the guy inside out in front of 30,000 people. <laughs> and so instead of just like figuring out a way to explain it or, or justify what he did, he shrank the entire stadium down to the size of like a coin and took it home. <laughs> uh, so like, and yeah, they're just like existing in this pocket dimension, stuck in this stadium, like Groundhog Day style. Yeah, uh, it's so like so a bottle city of Candor. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny, and the art is great, and it's this crazy high concept, absurd idea, uh, evil wizard trying to make good, or at least trying to. I don't even know if he's if it's fair to say that he's trying to make good. He just wants to be liked, uh, and he's just doing a terrible job. Curse words number one. They're only on like three or four. Pick it up. It's very good. Look, if you're looking for just feel good, fun, palate cleanser, if you will, you cannot go wrong with Teen Dog. Teen Dog. Teen Dog is collected. You can get all of it right now. There's supposed to be more Teen Dog coming in the future. There fucking better be. It is exactly what it sounds like. He is a radical teen dog that rides a skateboard and fixes all his problems by being cool. <laughs> and his chief rival is named Thug Pug. Yep. Featured my favorite villain of the year. Got best new character last year for my Beppo. Thug Pug. Thug Pug is a punk rock pug with spiky shoulders and pug skull on the back of his jacket. <laughs> It's mindless, it's ridiculous, it's wonderful, and when we read the premise of it, we both looked at each other and went, okay, here we go, and then we loved it. I'm throwing Teen Dog at you, I, brother. Like, teen Dog is not like an outrageous comedy comic like Chew. No. But it makes me happy. Reading yeah. Teen Dog makes me happy. It's just wonderful. <laughs> it's yeah. absolutely wonderful. So there you go. Four suggestions for you. We want to know, Sir Jimothy. What do you think of these? Do they translate to Australian as well as they represent themselves in English? I don't know. I don't speak Australian, so <laughs> I'm just gonna let you. I'm just gonna let you dig your own hole. <laughs> so get back to us. I want to hear from you. What did you think of these? Call us on one of the THN cover to cover. Tell us if you discovered some of these. We want to hear. Are we nailing it? Are we way off base here? We want to hear. If you're a listener that has recommendations for Jim, yeah. Please. You could also call cover to cover there. Or if you are one of the junkies we've hit in the past, let us know if we were right or wrong. That's what cover to cover is all for. Thank you for your question, Jim. You posted on forums. You can post it there too. Just go to Comic Pushers. Tell us what kind of stuff you want to read, and we will hook you up with some highly addictive comic book products. That is it for THN7. If you dig podcasts that hide behind the First Amendment to steal rap songs, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. TM, 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 copyright, 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 parody, 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 marky, mark, marky, mark, marky, mark. 
Colossal Cosmic. Thanks to everyone that supported and is supporting the show on PayPal and Patreon. Bradford Barker and Michael Richard are new members of our gang. Honorary love slaves. Way to go, boys. Thank you both for your generous donations. It's eccentric nerd billionaires like yourselves that keep this crumbling ziggurat from collapsing on our heads. Remember, next week, it's time for the free comic book day edition of THN Cover to Cover. So call us live, send us an MP3, or leave us a message on the ziggurat hotline, 402-819-4894. Or you can stop by Legend Comics to see our beautiful visage live and in person next Saturday. There's going to be so much to talk about. First of all, free comic book day. Everything's happening there. Oh, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh. Holy crap. Oh. The following week, a new Aliens movie. This is crazy. There's so much going on. It's a nerd crisis. Summer's here, baby. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Jim Kettnerd for finally completing the art on him and his wife, Lacey's long-awaited graphic novel, Ink in Water. You can pre-order the book now. Joe's going to put a link in the show notes to do so. We'll be expecting our review copy any day now. Word to you, cat nerds. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer just might give you the folk Steranko. Whoa. This is the two-headed nerd. Signing off. There is a fake Steranko you should be following oh, on yeah. Twitter. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Easy. Don't be dude. <laughs> <laughs>